We are the Kid Chocolate Band. This is KLBPLP, Long Beach 99.1, broadcasting from Shannon's on Pine and online at klbp.org. I'm Talon Stradley, and you're listening to The Whole Way Through, the show where we listen to the entirety of a musician's album and then sit down with that artist to talk about everything that went into creating that collection of music. Last year in October, I launched a mini campaign to encourage people to listen only to local music for an entire week. I called it the Pacific Local Listeners, and it was a lot of fun. It introduced me to many amazing bands in the Long Beach area. One such band was the Kid Chocolate Band. Not only was their music exciting and well-made, but they were also incredibly supportive of other musicians and the campaign as a whole, with some of the members even playing the Pacific Local Listeners playlist in their places of work. When I started this show, I knew I needed to have them on. This week, we're trying something different. The Kid Chocolate Band doesn't actually have an entire album out, but they do have several EPs. So today, we'll be talking about two of those EPs, Life Goes On and Lonely Boys Club. We also have the honor of having every member of the Kid Chocolate Band here to break down those albums. It was a tight fit squeezing the four Long Beach rockers into my tiny garage, but we made it work. Here is the Kid Chocolate Band. I'm Gabriel Martinez, and I'm the bass player for Kid Chocolate Band. My name's Jason Moreno, and I play guitar in the Kid Chocolate Band. Yo, I'm Will, uh, a.k.a. L. Will. I play drums for Kid Chocolate. What's up, baby? I'm Oscar Chong, and I am Kid Chocolate. You're about to listen to Life Goes On, and song was written for everybody who's ever gotten their heart broken. We'll be playing two of the Kid Chocolate Band's EPs this episode, and each is about 10 minutes. You can feel free to skip them and get to the interview, or you can delve into their music one more time. Without further ado, Life Goes On by the Kid Chocolate Band.
Are the Kid Chocolate Band, and you're listening to Life Goes On on KLBP Long Beach 99.1 FM. We are sitting with the Kid Chocolate Band talking about their EP, Life Goes On. So, you guys released three separate EPs last year, and this was the first. Was this the first thing you guys released as a band? As a band? No. No. I had kind of been recording on like GarageBand and doing a bunch of stuff earlier and previously, like 
honestly kind of by myself so I had released some stuff on YouTube that was just like solo stuff but I got together with my with my old drummer too and we recorded some stuff at our other buddy's house and I think that's on YouTube but like that's pretty much the first official stuff that we put out but that was years ago most of the songs are actually we re-recorded them and put them on um the other out the like a lot of the EPs that are out right now like it's just re-recorded stuff that we had officially like done like a long time ago what were some of the first songs written the first songs that were written were i think it was i'm glad i'm glad was pretty much the first one that one in party on her own and then kind of just went from there then i did a song called out of Isk reaction and just kept evolving them from there like at first they were really weird electronic songs that i kind of did by myself that like i ripped a lot of like stuff from uh i don't know like sweet valley stuff like that and just went on with that and then it pretty much just evolved into like what it is now. The songs on both Life Goes On and Lonely Boys Club were all songs that you had written previously and then re-recorded with this band. What made you choose You'll Be Happy I'm Dead, Life Goes On, and I Don't Know What to Do for this first EP? They pretty much coincided more with like where I was mentally in that time frame, like when we decided to like actually go into a studio and record this stuff. Because, I don't know, most of the songs were like really personal and like really weird, but... I really just wanted to like kind of just get them out there. A lot of this basically is kind of like my weird form of therapy. So like I just write everything out and like I get closure by putting songs out. At that time, I really needed to get that out. And it pretty much just helped me get to like a better place. And actually, uh, You'll Be Happy I'm Dead. It was one of the songs that actually got me more interested in this band. Also because of how it started, it, the lyrics say, I missed your birthday because I got like drunk with my friends. And that to me, I related it. Because it was something that I had done before. And that, to me, just blew my mind. It's like, hey, you're actually speaking to me when you're playing this damn song. And I, I loved it. I, I loved it a lot. So you chose those songs to help you move on from certain things. Uh, do you feel okay going into those things? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you'll be happy I'm dead. I was I was going through a really tough breakup with a girl, and I was kind of a really crappy dude. So just listen. Honestly, if you just listen to the song, like everything that it, everything that's written is pretty much true, like, everything about it then life goes on um i was dealing with like the passing of my best friend like went through a motorcycle accident had just like well he just passed so i don't know just some a weird section of time where like i got i lost my chick i lost my best friend like that's pretty much it and it's really interesting yeah. with this song because i came i i started hearing those songs originally as a fan i didn't come in to start playing drums a little bit later and i heard all these songs that i've known ozzy for a really long time um and these songs were they like I kind of had an understanding of where they were coming from, and I, cause in a, in a weird way, I used to relate to them a lot too. But what I always dug about them was that there there is a, a somber kind of element going on with the lyrics and what's happening, but all of it always felt so positive. Like the music itself just kind of has gives you this feeling where it's like, yeah, it's fucked up, but you know, you're gonna be okay. Like you kind of like music itself makes you feel like you're gonna get out of it and you're gonna be fine. Yeah, you know, so I always kind of related to that too. Where it's, just, it's yeah, there's a lot of emotion in there too, but you almost wouldn't notice it unless you're really listening. I noticed that the album cover has a picture of the four of you guys. What's the story behind that photo? We took that in front of um, Jazz Cats or Jazz Cat Records, which is right here in Long Beach. We uh, we recorded that with with uh, with Johnny over there, and whenever he records somebody, he just takes a picture right there in front of the like right in front of the studio. So we thought like, oh, it's it's perfect for it. So just throw it on there, and then we decided to like rip off uh 
what was it west side oh, story the old west side stories yeah the west side story <laughs> album covers and just threw the threw our picture on it <laughs> yeah and the writing on the picture is actually uh jessica himself he actually wrote that uh the, the band name nice. no way yeah he did oh, that's so cool <laughs> what was the hardest song of the three to record probably life goes on yeah yeah life goes on yeah. was the hardest the way we did it was um they had us record the rhythm the drums and the bass all by themselves so i was basically put on the spot to record that song and the lead on that with the mixture with the drums makes it really difficult to stay on beat so that was pretty hard to to um yeah to to follow up on but i think i did it in a couple takes but yeah that was probably the hardest one we had to do i had to do at least our real biggest issue with that song was the fact that like we had like we 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 booked the studio time and like we were totally going to go in there and just knock out three songs but that wasn't going to be one of the songs we just re- wrote that song like two weeks beforehand or something like that do you remember what the other song was going to be i think it was i'm glad but like we decided to just go with life goes on because i just really need to get that out when did you start performing some of these songs live and when did you as a band start performing live so before this band i was in a band called the bonaventures with uh with our original drummer and with another buddy of ours and um we it's it was really similar to stuff like this a little bit more surfy like less super less depressing and uh i started writing some songs like with that band we would use like i think we played you'll be happy i'm dead once or twice with that band or for like a good little while and then that was pretty much the first thing that we did with that and then i don't know i think i think it took me like a year to develop like what it turned into us here and like we, we did a lot of like studio stuff because before this, um, Gabe wasn't actually playing bass. Rhino really wasn't like much of a guitar player. Like he would play here and there, but I kind of just got them to play for this band and just learn their instruments as we went. And so it it took like a good little while to develop everything. But I think it was about over a year of just endless practicing together, just frustrations, just getting through our rehearsal time, two hours, practically maybe every other day, just rehearsing and practicing, practicing. And it was uh it was tough times at times because we were getting frustrated just the fact that like I didn't know how to play the bass real well so it was a bunch of like off tempo stuff and but uh you know it all paid off at the end you know oh, yeah um, I came in for the drums I think summer last year about then yeah about then and so I was already a fan and I'd been watching I'd gone to the shows all the time and then uh, Oz you know Ozzy asked me if I wanted to like fill in one day to substitute and I was like dude I already jam out to these songs you know what I mean by the time I got to there they were already chiseled you know they were they already been worn torn had done shows and these guys knew what they were doing so uh it was a little it was kind of smooth transition just to get in there and just start playing with them so i was excited to do it and it's just it's gone so much i think after after like a month of me actually getting on with them officially like it the music just started coming out real easy and i know we're just writing more so i think it's uh it's gone better honestly this guy literally actually did know every single song before he came in. Like it, was, it was funny he just came in and was like oh i know this like oh this one all right, all right, all right. cool yeah i already had my ideas of what i wanted the drums to sound like before i came in so i was it was it wasn't that hard yeah there was they didn't have to t- teach me anything i was just i'm here let's do this so a lot of these songs were previously written but in what ways did you guys find that you were able as individual members to influence the sound or contribute your own personality to the songs yeah um i i don't know why it's, i always try to uh find different variations for starting the song uh i have a, i have an ear for like little tiny details in songs that's the only like the contribution i give like instead of doing one thing we try to switch it up to another thing 
just to kind of make it see if maybe we can actually find a different avenue to getting into the chorus or the verse or a bridge. Uh, there's been times where we've been switching up the intros. Like I've always asked, you know, hey, let's do it this way. Or how about we do it that way? Because, you know, just showing different variations to starting the song because we all have, every band has a signature thing that they do. So for us, I was trying to do the best we could to contribute so every song could sound practically in the same wheelhouse but completely different in order for all of it, for the songs to be, I what's like have their own personal identity, if that's any case. Yeah, and for me, I guess the best example would be for I Don't Know What To Do because when we first started rehearsing that song, um, it was still kind of a skeleton. Like most of the song was there, but uh, there wasn't no leads or solos. And for that song, it, it just rung out to me so much. And I was like, you know what? I got the solo for this one. Usually, like Ozzy said, he would teach us most of the leads or um, solos. But for this one, I was like, you know, I think I got it. I can I can make up my own thing because I, I feel it. You know, I feel the music a lot, like with the passion. So I was able to, to come up with something there and add my own two cents into that song, which was uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think I just started uh, creating space for them to play. It was the, the thing that I came in there when I was listening to the songs. Like they're they're fast. It's pop punk. Um, but it was, if there was a sense of chaos in there that didn't feel controlled, and that's the one when I started getting in there with them. Like the first thing I was like, okay, let me just do a lot of like more calm eighth notes and just like really rhythmic melodic fills that just push them to just keep playing and that have them be more of the focal point than having the drum set now because there's a lot of crashing going on. So it's not like I, you're not gonna hear the drums. So Really, I didn't feel the need to do a lot to them, but just let them have that little that pocket and that space so that they can perform. Like, and you could hear the music instead of just like a lot of us doing a lot of notes and chaos inside of a song. So, I, th- I think that's what I added to them was just an openness, that's a freedom for them to play. Um, yeah, like the, like they said, I come in with the general idea of like basically of what I want or just something there, and then I'm not one of those dudes who like yeah, like. I need it to be exactly like this, or I want this. Like these dudes are talented enough; they have great ideas. We've all been playing music. Like, if they have a good idea, like I always go with it. Or, I, I'm just o- open to like changing whatever to make like the song the best. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, I think as a group, we we have that openness about ourselves. We we're actually we're playing to the songs. Like, we're not we're not like oh this is he doesn't come in rigid and like this is what we're gonna do. It's like this is the idea of kind of where we want to go, and then we just start kind of hammering away at it until we get to a point where we're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's actually where we want it. And then from there, we can kind of, you know, mess around with it and change little bits here and there. And this is where kind of Gabe comes in. We'll, he'll start thinking a little bit more of a production side. Hey, why don't we pause right here for a second and then go. And then and we build it as we go along too. So I think him not coming in there and being like, we're doing this, you know, kind of gives us, a, gets lets the song themselves evolve into something better than they could have been. When did you guys record this EP? <laughs> Honestly, the moment we record something and get it done, like, we kind of don't sit on it. We probably should, but we just, I I just really got to get it out there. What was the post-production like for this album? Um, Well, everything was mixed by Johnny and everything came out amazing as all hell. Um, from there, I took it to one of my buddies and I just had him master it. I gave him like, I think a hundred bucks and just mastered it from there. What was your favorite memory creating Life Goes On? For me, it would be more or less like just being done with it. Not necessarily like, recording it and then putting it out and all that stuff like the moment i i pushed the i pushed that button and like it completely sent it out to all the stores and it was completely done like 
that was the hugest weight just lifted off my shoulders like that felt awesome but for the most part like my biggest smile that i've had was like finally realizing at like as soon as we were done practicing like right before we went to go record like damn we're good we're we're set like these guys actually took the time and learned everything and like they listened to me like this is awesome i think for me it was because i had never recorded uh i hadn't i had never recorded bass in a studio before and to be in there and uh being so nervous i remember i was end up i ended up drinking like eight beers and i get a single buzz i was that nervous of that that experience and that's what i always remember from that one yeah for me i think it was probably just practicing it before the recording just because i could feel how tight we had all the songs down like we would rehearse every single song each um song we put out probably like four or five times until we got it down perfectly to the teeth and just finally being able to play it inside the studio and record it with johnny was probably like the biggest um i guess achievement and relief at the time for for us so yeah that was that was uh that was fun. Is there any other miscellaneous stories from Life Goes On? That was a chicken. Chicken? It present during the recording. Yeah. That was it. Right. There a lot a of chicken. farm animals hanging out. Studio chicken. Studio chicken. Yeah. yeah, and there was a lot of cats. Friendly, friendly cats. Friendly cats. It's okay. That's all right. And Jelly. The dog, right? Jelly was a dog. Jelly was a dog. Yeah. Jelly was a dog. Good dog, bad jelly. It's a good, that's a good song. Name. We're, we're, we're big animal fans in this band. <laughs> yeah. So paint me a picture. What does that look like? Are they in the studio with you? Are you putting a purring cat up to the mic? Oh, actually, <laughs> it's, uh, bringing that up. If you if you uh, one of the original recordings that we did, I think it was um, the first recording that we did with I'm Glad. We have uh, like a dog just bark right before we started the recording, and it's in the recording. Like, it starts the song off. <laughs> You're listening to The Whole Way Through on KLBP 99.1 Long Beach Public Radio. And now for the second EP in our double feature. Here is Lonely Boys Club by The Kid Chocolate Band. I think I think too much About everything and nothing all at once Instead, instead I'm gonna go Get fucked up till my brain is not allowed I wanna call you my brand new Your friends tell me that fell through One last thing that's going through my mind Am I wasting my own time? Two plus two makes four
What did the recording for this EP look like? I know these are probably a lot of the same songs you wrote prior, but what was it like coming together again after already recording and releasing your first EP? This one was a lot easier. Um, we'd kind of been like experimenting with recording on our own. Like the one with love songs, we did that in our living room. And then uh, this one, we pretty much just same thing, just living room, but better equipment, better mics. We learned. We actually yeah. sat down and watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Not only that, also from that one, the second one. What's the name of the second album, bro? Uh, the one with love songs. The one with love songs. That one was a little difficult just because of how we were, the learning experience of acoustics, uh, recording uh, microphones and all that stuff. We It was tough to go through that. Once we got to this album, we had everything down to the T. Well, Ozzy did. You know, that's... That's the great thing about this album. It was very fluid. This one was way more easier to do. I think we recorded in like two, three days, something yeah, like that. Yeah, we recorded real quick that one. Yeah, like really quickly. What kind of equipment were you using for that? Um, well, 
honestly, GarageBand. GarageBand and a bunch of mics. I just got a bunch of Shure mics and like a bunch of old like vintage mics that my friends would let me borrow, and that's pretty much it. Like, just try to go as DIY as possible. We're we're pretty broke. Did you guys mix and master the album as well, or did you go out of house for that? Uh, I had my buddy mix it for us. He's a much better mixer. His name's Matt Edwall. He lives here in Long Beach. He makes hats. That's it. Mm-hmm. But he makes hats. <laughs> but, what a uh, master guy. <laughs> but yeah, he did that, and then um, I mastered it from the, for this one, and this one pretty much just a bunch of YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, this one this one was quick too for just to get everything down. They already had everything recorded, so it was just literally pl- plug and play. I just went in there and just played it, and it was done. Like I did, that's probably like one of the simplest rec- recordings I've done. So, what did you learn from a production standpoint from your prior releases that you applied to Lonely Boys Club? Honestly, uh, or realistically, it was a lot. More, it was just like you said, a lot of learning. Um, I think a couple of days before we even recorded these ones, I sat down and I re I rewrote like all the songs. I just wanted like better endings, tighter things. All the like all the practices leading up to it, it was just a lot of um, just different variations of the same songs of how we can do everything differently and what would be the best product that we can put out. And by this point, these songs have already been performed. Like we we've gone through these songs so many times at this stage. It wasn't like we came that we came up with them and then we started recording them. We they, we've been playing them for like a year already. So, and a combination of that and already putting in the hours and then the fact that all the learning and headaches along the way from the first ones just it just made the whole thing a breeze and it seems like moving forward we shouldn't have too many issues like that so now we're talking more about kind of like pump and dump songs just you make one let it out make one let it out like yeah. instead of just kind of holding on holding on to them and then trying to release them all in a in a bunch you know i think that's gonna be the the better strategy moving forward since we know we can do it quickly so let's and we can do it with quality so let's yeah. just so let's just keep let's that was keep the main, yeah that's the biggest thing is the fact that how quickly we can do it now and like and the, the quality yeah, of it the too. quality of is at is at a point where we're satisfied like the one we did prior to this we were really happy to have recorded it on our own put it out it was super awesome it was a great experience but at the same time like there was the there was more room for like improvement that we could have had like i could have had better mics i could have knew like better about acoustics or things like that but I feel like now we're we're in a better place where we're just gonna be just dropping songs like left and right, especially because I'm I have no patience. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, 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 yeah we have a sense of urgency. <laughs> I was listening to both of the albums today, and I was surprised at how similar they sounded production value wise. If you gave me both of these albums and asked me to tell you which one was recorded in a studio and which one was recorded in a living room, I don't think I'd be able to tell the difference. Thank you. Yeah, well, technology helps. You know, the fact that it, things are just getting better tools are getting a lot more affordable and there's it's just smaller and they're easier to work with so it's, it's just making it a breeze for us it's a good time to do dyi have you guys done any music videos for any of your stuff yeah we have a couple right now um they're obviously out there on on your favorite platforms but yeah um we're actually planning on recording a lot more even for songs that we had already put out we just kind of want to have a bunch of fun and record a bunch of music videos mm-hmm. like we got a lot of really stupid ideas that are hopefully going to be cool or if not they're they'll make you laugh yeah or at us whatever yeah i'll laugh i'll laugh at you I that promise. i'll laugh at you thank you you have the song two plus two that was a bold choice for the vocals what inspired that well that i just felt like everything else had had been boring like i just i keep hearing all my vocals and i'm like oh this is cool like it cuts through it gets everything in there but i just want to have one song where it was just like 
an obnoxious amount of my voice going mm-hmm. through people's ears. Like there's like a little layer in there, or like you underneath, really oh, yeah. lightly. Like you can't hear it. I auto tune the <laughs> hell out of my voice to hit all those notes really, really high. And if you, li- I don't even think you can actually listen. Like, barely. You can barely hear it. But there's like I've recorded like five tracks of just my vocals at the very like last 30, 40 seconds of that song. And they're just all like layered underneath. Like if you look at the file, you could see it in there, and it's and. And when you when everything's going like you can't hear it, but if you like kind of lower the stuff down, you'll hear it. It creates like this weird like harmonies, like all as undertones. Like they're they're they were fun. Yeah, that was fun. Half of that song was kind of written by my buddy Matt Edwall, and then I kind of added a lot of the rest. A large bulk of that was just I don't even know. I don't even remember what like what I was listening to at that time. I think it was like a lot of Cure and Chicago. I just thought I just thought. It was the best way of getting a good melody there. Like with that music, like I have a really hard time kind of like figuring out melodies that aren't like super poppy. Yeah, and I don't want to really have like super poppy melodies, but just Taylor Swift got got, got the best of me. Makes for a good intro during live shows though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you know we start off and it's like got a little little chord strum and some guys singing and then and then we just come in. It's a great way to start the set off usually. What was your favorite memory making Lonely Boys Club? That I got to be in this album <laughs> this time. <laughs> that I was actually in the album. So it was my first recording with them. So I was really stoked about it. So uh, that was just, that's my big takeaway from us. I finally got to be in it with it. So the, the one I, the memory I have is that one day I get home from work around maybe 6 30, Ozzy's in his room. He's just telling me, hey, uh, can you come into my room real quick? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. I walk in there. He hands me the bass. He's like, oh, can you play this? Like, can you play the song? So I start playing it, you know, just going along with the the recordings, thinking it's just a scratch strike or something. And then he's like, all right, we're good, uh, we're done. I'm like, what what do you, what do you what do you mean? He's all like, oh, uh, that's the recording. We're like, oh, that that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's you're good to go. All right, cool. Well then, I'll, I'll see you later. And I went to my room and I rested and all that. And I was like, wow, easy, pretty pretty chill today. You know, I milled it in. <laughs> this is literally what makes Dave this just process show so much easier. I can just call him and be like, hey, uh, come over here for a second. I need you to finish something. Like, Will lives two blocks away from me now. I live so. under 50 seconds walking from his house. So it's just like, oh, they're over there. So he's like, hey, come over. Okay. <laughs> yeah, same for me. I mean, I, I drove there, but I think the whole process in general for all the songs took like maybe two hours <laughs> at most. At most. Yeah. And that was with an I hour mean, break. And we were like... <laughs> with an hour break. <laughs> we were doing stuff other than that. You know. Doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. doing stuff. But yeah, uh, really this whole thing was just fun. Like, I can't really say that's, that anything in particular stood out for me that was like really like that much. But just the whole thing. Like, even the artwork. Like, I think we did that in like five, ten minutes. And just everything was just fast and cool and easy to just throw on there. As soon as I put it out, like, as soon as I sent it out to the stores, too, like, I think it was out the next day. And, like, usually it takes, like, a week or two, so it's, like, way too fast. Yeah, weren't you, you were announcing it on, like, on all the, the social media platforms, like, oh, yeah, check it out. It's going to be out next week. And then, like, yeah, the, the following day it was, like, okay, never mind. It's out now. <laughs> Start promoting. I was, like, yeah, we look like we know what we're doing. And also, <laughs> yeah, and also the album came out on my birthday, so, yeah, I know what day it came out. So, I, it's a present. I can't, I can't deny that. What music distribution do you guys use? Uh, DistroKid. That thing is great. I noticed on the album cover, you have down there in the bottom corner, it says Yerevan. Yeah, Yerevan Records. It was started by my buddy Carlos Gomez, who uh, was my best friend who had passed away in that whole 
first album was dedicated to. Um, yeah, he started this record label, and he was in a band called the High Strung Ramblers. They put out a, a couple of uh, like CDs on that, and I just thought it would be a good tribute to like put the stuff out on there. And, like it, originally, he wanted to put out a lot of like the music that I was writing, and it's pretty much just a nod to him. Is there any other miscellaneous stories about the creation of the Lonely Boys Club? We were gonna release a uh, secret Spanish song in that album, but we we're saving that for another day. Yeah, there were there were things that we wanted to get done on this album that we decided to kind of hold back off. Originally, we wanted to put out a whole album. Yeah, but then we just started thinking about how we don't want to. Realistically, there's not that many people who are like. We just don't want to put out a full album. Like it's there's no one. Yeah, kind of where where I'm where I'm at with this is it doesn't. No one knows really who we are, so it's not like people are sitting around waiting for our album to drop. So we figure in the meantime, I tell them we just piecemeal these songs out and just trying to start giving people like something they can hear so they start hearing who we are, and then you know maybe get a couple tracks in, three four songs, five songs, little by little, and then just kind of start building that so people start going, oh yeah, I, I, we've heard them. We've heard these little tracks hanging around, like, who are they? And then start building that demand to where then now people want uh, an album from us or a bigger EP. Like, then we can do it that way. You just listened to The Whole Way Through on 99.1 KLBP Long Beach Public Radio. Today, we talked to the Kid Chocolate Band. You can find the Kid Chocolate Band's music on Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, and wherever else you get your music. If you know a band that wants to be on the show, you can send us an email at thewholewaythrough at klbp.org or by finding us on social media at Whole Way Through. The Whole Way Through is a production of Newton's Dark Room and KLBP. For more information, visit klbp.org. You can find past episodes of the show on our podcast feed by searching for The Whole Way Through wherever you get your music. Join us next week for our interview with Shiro. Thanks for listening.